When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, I'm Kelly Crichton and this is The Reset Room, a new podcast that aims to give you the tools you need to succeed and answer your questions on your journey to fulfillment. Of course, you can't reset yourself the same way you would reset your iPhone, but there are ways we can embrace change in our lives, no matter how big or small. And after the last 18 months, there are many of us who feel a reset or a fresh approach to life could only be a good thing. I've just moved back to lovely Edinburgh, having been in Ireland for the last few years, and this is a huge reset for me. But I think there are easier ways to achieve positive change than having to move country. So I'm very pleased and excited to say I'll be joined on each episode by one of our wonderful personal coaching and development experts, Amina Walker and Kay Woodburn. Each week, we look at a specific topic and get their advice on how best to deal with certain situations relating to this. This week, we're considering life after lockdown and how that can mean different things for different people and how to deal with some of the challenges this presents. In each episode, we'll also get you, the listeners, on board by answering your questions and assisting you with the challenges you face on an everyday basis. More on that in a while. But first, I'm delighted to say Kay and Amina are here with me today so we can find out a little bit more about them. Kay, tell us a bit about yourself and the kind of work you do. Hi Kelly and thank you so much for inviting me to talk on this amazing podcast. What a wonderful title we've got, Mindset Reset is something that I'm really passionate about. So the Reset Room is it's just a wonderful, wonderful thing to be asked to come and talk about. Um, so yeah, my name's Kay Woodburn. I'm the founder and CEO of Gritty People. Wholeheartedly, Gritty People and what I do within it is come from an absolute passion and curiosity of people and human behaviour. I mean, I've always been really fascinated by an individual's beliefs and how those beliefs can focus our energy and attention into a particular area which can help us be really successful and have successful outcomes and then sometimes uh, yeah, less successful outcomes. So yeah, we specialize on behavioral change. Um, I do a lot of workshops, uh, mindset coaching one-to-one. And that really does wander all the way through those different aspects of life, which is, you know, it could be entrepreneurs, business leaders, 
life coaching, busy mums, you know, and, and professional athletes. So there's nothing that I do as a mindset coach that is unique to one group of people. I guess my real specialism is in human behaviour and the neuroscience behind what what drives some of those um, those things. So, yeah, so I feel very fortunate and grateful to be able to come in contact and get the opportunity to speak to as many people as possible about mindset. Um, our mission is to get gritty mindset accessible to as many people as possible. So doing podcasts and writing articles is always a great way to do that. Um, but yeah, outside of that, my work stuff, um, and I'm probably foremost, I'm also a mother of two. I've got, well, I call them children, um, but the 16 and 20, nearly 21. Um, so that's, um, yeah, I've got lots of um, other stuff going on other than work stuff. And um, yeah, I also am a keen runner. So I do a lot of long distance marathon running. And um, so, yeah, that, that's a bit about me, I guess. You sound like a very busy person, Kay, I have to say. <laughs> and lots of interesting um, experience, I imagine, to enlighten us with on The Reset Room. So that's great. And what about you, Amina? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, Kay and Kelly. It's nice to join you both on this um, podcast. And I feel like this is right up my street because I'm talking to two people who are already interested in people. And, um, you know, my mother used to say there's not, nothing so funny as folk. And actually, I think she had a point because we're all so different and we all, we're all multi-layered. And how did I get into this, um, this whole coaching thing? Well, my background, fully enough, is travel business. Um, I used to work um, for a large holiday company traveling all over the UK and all over the world. Um, and I learned a lot about people. Um, because I took a lot of notice, I looked at body language, I learned how to get the most out of people. Um, and I ended up um, some years after I'd uh, you know, become senior in the travel industry, um, leaving that and starting my own business. So instead of traveling around the world, I started traveling into the minds of other people, uh, because that's really what's interesting about people, what's going on in the head. And since I've been doing this, which has now been uh, 15 years, this business that I've been um, doing. Um, I've worked with all different types of people, but mainly they are people under pressure. And they might be under a business pressure or media pressure, um, or they might be under a sporting pressure. And some of them are under a global pressure. Um, but, you know, anybody can be under the spotlight because there isn't just work spotlights. There is also the unexpected type that can happen anytime, anywhere um, to anyone. And, and quite, quite a lot of people right now are under that spotlight and they don't know which way to turn. So um, people uh, and what's going on in the head is my bag, but particularly people under pressure um, and how they manage to perform um, to their absolute best when they're under that pressure and how they handle themselves. So I'm a Yorkshire girl. I've lived in East Yorkshire all my life. Proud to be called a whole girl. Um, I've got a daughter. She's also grown up. Okay. She's in her twenties. Mm -hmm. um, I still call her my little girl. She hates me for that. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm married to Paul. I've been married to Paul for what feels like forever. I think it's 20 odd years now. Um, and um, yeah, I live in Hull. And I have to say, I'm a bit embarrassed already because Kay's mountain climbing um, and I, I'm fueled by chocolate and cake. <laughs> and wine so I'm almost you know I'm, I'm the bad girl here I feel already so um, I'm definitely not fit although I do try and do a little bit of yoga and pilates every week so that's my only saving grace really 
a bit of the yin and the yang. Absolutely. Emma, you have to have it. It's all about the balance. <laughs> I, I, I would say that I'm well down that balance street myself. <laughs> I, yeah. I should probably add, though, that most of my like long distance running and mountain climbing is fueled by jelly babies. Are we allowed to say that? I'm wine. <laughs> oh, that's fine. <laughs> and, and the cake at the finish line, Absolutely. isn't it? The cake. Absolutely. Mm. There's no point doing it if you're not getting cake at the end. <laughs> Well, thank you both for um, sharing with us there just a little bit about your lives and your profession. I think we're going to be spoiled uh, that you're both giving us your take on the changes that are happening for everyone at the moment. Certainly, Amina, I think a lot of people feel under pressure as you talk about there. So let's let's get down to the nitty gritty then. Kate, what do you think are the main challenges people are facing with returning to the workplace re-emerging into our social circles and, you know, generally just being busier people. Like I think we just said it there, people are busy, aren't they, all the time these days? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, I mean, I think it's a lot of different things. And I think dependent on who you speak to, the answer to that's going to be different. You get the opportunity to meet so many people or in the career that we're both in, I'm sure. So you're meeting lots of people all the time and, and therefore there's a lot of different perspective on that so you've got the people that actually have loved lockdown they've really enjoyed that isolation and and being able to be in their own environment and then you've got a group the group of people that have really struggled and you know they they really really have wanted to get back out and be busy again and then really thrive off that pressure so of of having a lot of things to do so I think if you think about the fact that our personal and professional environments have changed so much and they are still changing one of those things is that we need to get back to we don't need to but there's almost a you know I see it like a bit like a traffic light system you know in some organizations they've gone red amber green and so there's been the amber transition before we go back into the workplace and fully start socializing and utilizing the office space in the office again some organisations have, have gone completely red to green and there has been no transition time. And then others have kind of said, look, you can just stay working from home. You can stay with this new environment that's been created. So I think for me, out of all of that, there's a couple of things. And, and one of them is, is habits. So the new habits versus old habits um, and simply remembering how to um, utilise our time in a different way. So I, I don't know how you two have found it, but I think if you think about all those different categories that I'm talking about that people might sit within, that idea of Allowing time to get dressed in the morning properly, allowing time for traffic, allowing time. What do I wear? Um, these little things, I think, are old habits now that need to become new habits for people again. So homeostasis is this, you know, homeostasis as a word just means, I, you know, a, a tendency to prefer that things stay as they already are. And if you think about before we went into this period, life before lockdown, of course, we, you know, many people were saying, oh, gosh, we're going into this mm-hmm. really strange environment. But it only takes about 100 days to create a new habit. So over these last 18 months, the norm isn't to be out and about socializing it isn't to be overly busy the norm is the stuff that wasn't normal before lockdown if that makes sense so I think one of the challenges out of all of that that is really important that we really recognize um, is that we're not going back Mm. we're going forward and as we go forward we're emerging as different people with and we're having to remind ourselves of, of the habits that maybe we once had those little things 
like getting dressed, the traffic, you know, um, how do I interact with people that if I haven't been interacting with them for the last hundred days? So I've spoke to a lot of people who've become quite anxious about the idea of having to interact with people in the office, for example, not because they didn't used to be able to do it, but because it's not what they're now used to doing. So I think there's a few things. There's the, the there's the habits of and getting back into those habits and being disciplined around around creating new habits again, and also you know purpose. What what what, what am I doing now? Why am I doing it? Um, and what I mean by that is, a lot of us have had our eyes open to an environment that we didn't have um, our eyes open to before. Parents that have spent more time with the children. I wrote a book in the first week of lockdown and it's called The Adventures of Susie Super Trooper. I co-authored it with a good friend of mine, Miriam Burrell, and it's basically using our NLP, neuroscience knowledge, to be able to help children navigate lockdown. Um, so we wrote it in seven days and from conception to publishing, it was eight days. So it was the very first week wow. of lockdown. Um, yeah, so we worked day and night on it. And the intention for that was to help children understand what was going on in the, the early weeks of lockdown so they could understand why the shopping centre was closed, why they couldn't go and cuddle granny and things like that. So it's all based on using language patterns to help them understand um, the emotional roller coaster that came with it with, with lockdown. But the reason I'm, I'm kind of explaining all of this is that, you know, we haven't, we're going, our habits have changed. So we put a lot of effort into changing so that we could survive that period of lockdown. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I do think, you know, we need to put the same level of effort into acknowledging that we now need to make that transition. So homeostasis from a habit, like I say, homeostasis is our, you know, desire to keep like, it's our leaning towards wanting to maintain the norm. But that maintenance of the norm isn't what, what it was before lockdown. It's what's just happened within that period, if, if that makes sense. Yes. So I think it's important we acknowledge that and we'd be, we'd be okay with that and say, okay, I am where I am right now. Um, and now it's okay to readjust and allow myself that time within the amber light to do that. Um, yeah, and, and I think from an organisational point of view, from a workplace point of view, it's important that leaders and employers do that too, allow their their teams to adjust. So, you know, to, to coin the, the phrase uh, that the title of the podcast comes from, it's a reset. We need a reset. Work mm. needs a reset. You know, I suppose we had this huge reset with lockdown and the pandemic and, and we're at this sort of turning point again, perhaps, where it's a more individual reset rather than a collective one, perhaps. So, mm. Amina, what is what has been your experience in recent times of dealing with people who have some issues around this and what kind of advice are you giving them? Yeah, well, lockdown has truly messed with our heads. There is no doubt about that. But with any shakeup, there's always opportunity. And that means mm -hmm. different things to different people. And so, yes, of, of course, there's been a range of different um, issues that I've um, talked to people about. And, the, you know, one of the one of the big ones, of course, is work-life balance because the lines are blurred, completely blurred. There is no cutoff. There is no end to a traditional working day the way that we knew it. So um, that's really been difficult for people to cope with. And so, um, you know, maybe I'll, 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 I'll just recap at the end with maybe a couple of tips on, on what I've given them about that. Um, another thing that uh, people have come up with is um, 
I like my life at home now yeah. and I don't want to go back to work yeah. because um, I think as Kay mentioned, this is the new normal. Mm-hmm. This is now our comfort zone to, to go back is to go um, into uh, out of our comfort zone. And, and that is a stretch for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And that is going to take some time. And so that's going to be a step by step thing because not many people can go full on out there mm-hmm. and get back to uh, the work as they knew it. Some people are saying this isn't the life for me mm-hmm. now that I've had time to think about it and I've been at home I now have a better idea of what I want to do and it is definitely not what I used to do before Mm. so it's a real shake-up in terms of where they are some of the people that are under a bigger spotlight have and this has been really um, an issue that we've that's played out on social media I'm missing my fans what if they don't want me anymore what Mm. if they don't like me anymore what if people don't notice me anymore Mm -hmm. so the fear of I'm in my I'm in my own home and nobody's seeing me like they used to is a real fear for many people. And mm-hmm. um, not not just people in a, a global spotlight, but people who want a promotion, people who are, who have ambition. It's that mm-hmm. how will I get noticed when I'm just sat in a room? Mm-hmm. So that's a real fear for uh, for many people. So the kind of things that I've been tips wise that I've been um, given a lot of people is from a work life pal- balance point of view is to um take it step by step mm-hmm. and and start with asking questions of your employer so find out what will make you comfortable how can you be at your best when you get back to work and ask your employer if they can help you to achieve that mm-hmm. because what they want more than anything is a workforce that is achieving and the productivity is going up and the results are coming in. And so they will be listening to what can we do to help you? So don't be afraid, in other words, mm-hmm. to ask the questions and take it one step at a time. There is no standard rule, even though many companies are kind of setting some guidelines in terms of we want you back three days or two days. There is always a discussion to be had around that. Mm-hmm. Performance is probably the most important thing, along with how comfortable people feel. And if they can get that balance, they'll probably help you with it. And for other people in terms of ambition, how do you get yourself noticed? Um, Again, you know, if you feel comfortable about getting out, the the world is opening up again, slowly Mm -hmm. but surely. So take advantage of what things you can get to and the people that you can meet, even if it's for a half an hour of coffee. And if you can't do that or if you can't do it as much as you want to, then everybody now um, is accessible through video. And that's one of the benefits mm-hmm. of lockdown because now we can talk to so many people that we would never have talked to before as quickly and as as often as we want to. So the ease of us being able to do that should be, it should be something that we take advantage of. So there's lots of opportunity for lots of different types of people. But if there's a fear factor there, I would say, take it easy. Don't be frank of asking questions. And remember, there is a lot of opportunity out there. So think about what you really want, because now could be your time to get it. I'm glad you mentioned that, you know, some people are not comfortable with leaving because that might not necessarily be about their own personal choice. They might be really ready to go out there, but they might have a vulnerable person in the house still, you know, and they're just physically not in a position to go back to the office or to go to the pub or whatever it is, you Mm -hmm. know, socialising or and and they're they're kind of stuck. So I suppose, you know, what you're saying there really is don't be quick to throw the baby out with the bathwater, you know, Getting some meetings online has been a positive thing in many mm-hmm. ways. We're doing this podcast over Zoom, you know, and um, because mm-hmm. we're all in different parts of the UK. 
it, it, use those tools because they're there. You can use them. You can talk to people and you can still be seen and heard and, and maybe try just to, to hold your nerve for a little bit longer and you'll Absolutely. get back there too. Yeah. And, and just a mind, well, it is a minor thing, but actually it's a big thing for some people. Don't get hung up about how you look on Zoom mm. or, or whichever uh, vehicle you use on video call because some people are just so, um, they, it can't, they kind of get a little bit stressed about how they look mm-hmm. um, or, or they're not, there's some people are living in a small flat or a bed sit or they're, they're not in an, uh, a place where they're a bit embarrassed about the surroundings. Don't be, mm-hmm. because people are people. And actually what matters most is you and your presence um, and the connection that you're having with whoever you're talking to. Nothing else really matters. And I think COVID has really taught us that. Absolutely, definitely. Kay, tell me, have you encountered challenges that are comparable to this pre-pandemic? How would you have suggested people address this sort of social anxiety kind of thing? Like, this is all very well with COVID around. But, you know, in the past, people would have encountered these problems too. Absolutely. And actually, uh, the point that's just been made about fear, the words around fear, Mm-hmm. If you think about a pre, you know, pre-pandemic, so the pandemic is really um, highlighted for us um, fear generally. So if you think about what runs in all human beings all of the times, me, you, everybody, all of us, is fear. So if mm-hmm. you if you kind of categorise that into two things, there's always a fear of it sounds quite gruesome, but death that, that's always running in us. And mm-hmm. then there's this other fear, which is of not being good enough. And both of those fears are always running all the time, but it's just that the, the volume's tuned down quite a lot and then something mm-hmm. happens and then it tunes it up. And of course, the pandemic has really turned the volume up on that. So, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of our behaviours over this period of time has been through turning the volume up on essentially that fear. But then the other ones come into play even more. Um, but it's always been there pre-pandemic, um, which is what if I get rejected? So the point around going back into the workplace now, that social anxiety about am I still going to be accepted? Equally, when we're online socially, it's like fear of um, judgment. What will people think about me? How will they categorise me? So absolutely, um, I've seen that way before this. I just think what's happened is the pandemic has really dialed that up for, for us all and actually in different ways. So whereas during it, it was more the, you know, the fear of something bad happening. Now it's the other fear, which is now I'm going to go out there again and who am I emerging as and how will people judge me and will they still accept me, etc. So I think, you know, for me as a coach, um, my practice is really about getting that stuff out of people um, in a, in a linguistic way, but also about, you know, acknowledging how that shows up for individuals. So I think one of the things I would say about that is to really encourage people to take a moment, take a breath. Um, I teach a lot of um, the people I coach attention training, which is really about, you know, highlighting where your attention goes and just really checking in with yourself. So it might be through a body scan, for example, just sitting with yourself, taking a nice through few deep breaths. And as you just allow yourself to just scan up your body, just notice where there's a shift in your feelings. So if you, you're feeling what you're labeling as social anxiety, you know, perhaps there's a picture in your mind of walking in the office for the first time after six months, or perhaps it's about to go into a competition as an athlete for the first time in 12 months. And you'll notice that if you listen to your body, some of us might get a bit of a knot in our stomach and some of us might get a tingling in our chest or a sweaty palm. Just really check in with that. 
you know, and, 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 and it sounds really simple, but actually all of this stuff, social anxiety, fear, um, worry about what people may think, um, it all comes from, from, from one thing, which is perception. So it's my perception of how people see me or how, how I see myself. And that perception will generally show up for you. And this is different for everybody. So I, I tend to play a lot of games with the, my coaches and, and, and participants. But you'll either show up as a big picture. So you'll see a big picture in your mind of the thing that's about to happen in the future, going wrong mm-hmm. or going right. Or it'll be a sound. You'll hear voices in your head. You know, I always say to people, we all hear voices in our head at some point in our life. It doesn't, it, it's not a bad thing. Um but we'll tend to get something that's triggering basically this perception. And mm-hmm. it's that forward thinking that's creating the anxiety because mm-hmm. anxiety cannot exist in the current present moment. It can only coexist with the past or the future. So if I'm thinking mm-hmm. about something from the past, I can get anxious. If I'm fast forwarded into the future, I can get anxious. But if I just, whew, deep breath, just sit within my body, do that nice body scan and just con- that attention training within my body, I can then create space between me and my fast thoughts to be able to think about, right, okay, what's my perception of this particular thing that I'm thinking about, this problem? Um, and by doing that, you can start to control your state because all state is, is, you know, being in the right state rather than our right state. And if you want to go into the right state, I would always advise people to start with breath because it just creates that space to change your perception, change the image, change the dialogue that you've got going in your head. And then as that changes your state, it changes your behavior. So it changes mm-hmm. the way you see the world and therefore how you're willing to operate within it. Um, so, yeah, I think a simple thing would be that to to really, you know, consider what's going on in your body, listen to your body, check in with that and just notice when there's that state change and, and take a breath. Um, I always find it fascinating that I think for everyone, they have their own way that stress or anxiety sort of mm-hmm. um, presents itself physically, whether yeah. it's, I don't know, like sleeping too much or grinding mm-hmm. your teeth or there's there's multiple things but like you say a lot of people kind of hold anxiety in their stomach bring yourself into your mm-hmm. own body and becoming more aware of that I think it, it definitely centres you certainly Amina if someone is struggling with readjusting to life back in the office or, or socialising more what advice would you give them? I mean, I've done a couple of days out recording and things now recently that I wouldn't have done for a very long time and these are things I'm very comfortable doing but in the run up to them you you kind of have, I wouldn't say fear, but it's like we've all been at home for so long and been doing the same thing for so long. It's that habit thing. And it's, you know, and then I go out and I do it and I'm like, that was brilliant. I absolutely love that. It's so great to be doing the stuff we did normally once more, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would you say to somebody who is is still struggling with the idea of going back to what they used to do? Yeah. Well, fear of the thing is worse than the thing itself. Mm. Always is. Mm-hmm. So um, I think I think managing what's going on in your head is quite a key thing before you do anything. Um, and, you know, we were talking about other people judging us a little bit earlier. But you know what? We are our own worst critics. Mm. So we judge ourselves harder than anybody could probably judge us. So I think, you know, you've got to start with how are you talking to yourself? How are you treating yourself? Are you giving yourself the confidence to be able to go out there and do that thing that you really 
think you should be doing or you really want to do. Um, and I think you've got to give yourself some self-belief and, and strengthen that really. So, and that's really with your thoughts um, and also um, your self-talk. And one of the things I talk a lot about is what are you saying to yourself? Because if you say to yourself, I don't know if I want to do that. Mm. I don't know if I can do that. Mm. I feel a bit uncomfortable with that. You're already not helping yourself. Mm. But if you switch your thoughts and start saying, I can do that. I cannot wait to get out there and start doing it again. Or I'm excited about that. Or let's have a go. Let's see how it works out. So just by changing what you say to yourself can increase your um, confidence and help you to feel strong enough to be able to go out there and do something different um, now that we're all getting back into the workplace and, and after lockdown. And if that for you means doing something very different, like moving countries or changing jobs or starting a new career, then you've got to start with yourself um, mm. because other people can make you feel good. But when you make yourself feel good, there is nothing better than that. There is, there's no comparison, really. Um, so you can manage that. You can build it. You can get better at that. And when you're on your own side and you're judging yourself well, then uh, the world's your oyster. Absolutely. I just want to add because I wholeheartedly agree with everything you're saying, and and it's um it's when I always say to people like if if your best friend spoke to you the way you're speaking Absolutely, to yourself right yeah. now, would you still be friends? And the answer is often no. <laughs> so it's I love that you know that connection between it's like our own self uh, worst critic. You know that's the thing to deal with first. And I just I just wanted to add like that neurologically right so this this whole idea of nervous and excited as people are going back and and I can really relate to what you're saying around oh you know I've got to get ready to go and then you do it and you go oh my god that was amazing yeah. I've got so much energy um so yeah I think a lot of people are experiencing that but neurologically what's happening inside of us when we're excited and nervous are exactly the same thing Mm. So that so Amanda's point there about you know the, how we speak to ourselves is like if we speak to ourselves negatively, we're giving ourselves a negative goal command. So we're telling ourselves it's nerves. But if we tell ourselves, give ourselves a positive goal command with that positive self talk, you know it is literally the last part of the mm -hmm. puzzle. Our bodies, our body doesn't know the difference. Like you're the commander, so it wants you to say. This is a good thing we're about to do. Uh, and then it's like a dutiful puppy dog. It'll just do what it's told anyway. So, yeah, I think we forget that sometimes, the power of mm. our language. Uh, yeah, I think it's such a good point. I learned the hard way a lot over the years when I was um, when I was a senior in um, the travel industry because one of the things we used to do every year was we had to make um, had company conferences so we had to make these big speeches mm. in front of like a thousand people with a big screen behind us and I remember we was we all the directors used to stand in the wings shaking like a leaf terrified mm. and I always remember that's when I learned it first because I, I started saying to myself this is going to be the best I've ever done. I mm. cannot wait to get out there and I'm going to go out there and smile at everybody and they are going to love it. And you know what? That sounds extremely corny, but it did me the world of good mm. because nobody mm. knew it was all going on in my head. Mm. But I learned how to switch fear and anxiety into excitement and I just couldn't wait mm. to get out on stage. And now I use that with everybody pretty much that I coach. Power of positive thinking, mm. isn't it? It's pretty yeah. basic, yeah. yeah. And... Um, yeah, I don't know. if Have you guys been able to see clients face to face? Are you guys doing that now? Yeah. That's good. Yeah. 
We yeah, well, yeah. I started a new job in um, earlier this year, so I haven't. I've only physically met one person from mm. from work, so I'm I'm excited to actually meet people because the social aspect is so weird over Zoom, like it's just nearly impossible. So I'm certainly looking forward to going into the office at some point. I'm still not sure when that will be. Do you think it makes a difference meet, seeing people face to face as opposed to over Zoom? Do you find it easier to work with clients in that situation? Ah, uh, definitely. Sorry, yeah. Kay, I'm just I'm just putting in. But yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, because you know what? You can feel people's energy. Mm-hmm. You can feel it. Um, and in fact, in fact, energy is contagious. Emotion is mm-hmm. contagious. You can feel somebody when they're positive. You can feel them when they're down. Mm-hmm. And that's what we miss over um, Zoom. Um, you can get better at body language because you can notice people's facial expressions um, if you really work hard at it on mm-hmm. Zoom. But it, you can't be seeing a full body because then you can see people's hands and how excited they are or how mm-hmm. nervous they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get a sense of who the person is when you when you meet them face to face so yeah human connection in in the flesh that's the first time I did um, see a few people in the flesh I, I actually said to them I'm so happy to see people yeah. in the flesh oh. and they all started laughing because they knew what I meant it was just it's just wonderful I never thought I'd miss people yeah. as in bodies as much as I did mm, it's amazing what about you Kay? Yeah, I, I do agree. And, and I, I remember the first journey I took to meet my, my best friend and I got off the tube and she was stood waiting for me and I was just like touching her arm going, you're Aww. real. Because I've been looking, because I've been looking at it for two years over over a screen. And, and equally, I'm really grateful for the opportunity to stay connected with people through the mm. technology because, you know, it has been really challenging. And also I know, you know, my business is called Gritty People for a reason. You know, it's all about resilience and courage and endurance and getting through really sticky, tricky mm-hmm. times. And my role is to support people in that. So there's never been a time where the work work that I do has been more mm-hmm. important um, than during this period. So I am really grateful for Zoom for that because I think, you know, and, and video call generally, because I think if it had been over a call, it would have been even more challenging. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um and so, yeah, I, I do agree with what you're saying. The body language, the energy you get from people is so, so amazing. And, and it's exciting to be able to do it again. I've got to be honest, you know, it, it, I also am kind of grateful for the fact that people have seen that there is a way to work oh, virtually yeah. because, you know, a lot of my clients, like CEO, C-suite level um, clients would not have trusted their staff yeah, or their absolutely. employees to work mm. the pre-pandemic mm-hmm. and I would be influencing them you know let's give it a go let's trust mm-hmm. them uh, working on their whole connection thing um and so this period has helped that along significantly in the whole hybrid work- working mm-hmm. that process. is absolutely so, one of the yeah. best things to come of this I think just to show those who were hesitant about working from home or or online more online mm-hmm. working that you can trust your employees you know if you expect them to do x y and z they will do X, Y and Z if that's their job, you know, nine times out of 10. So mm-hmm. whether it's they're here or there, it doesn't really matter. And if they're going to have a better quality of life because they can do the pickup or the drop off or they can get mm-hmm. to the gym at lunch or whatever, and they're going to be yeah. happier people. Come on, it makes mm-hmm. so much sense. And they can be where they want to be geographically, potentially, as opposed to miserable, stuck somewhere they don't want to be. So, yeah, yeah, you know. Do you know, I worked, um, so my, I worked in BT for 13 years, British Telecom, and in, in, uh, mostly based in London. And so I spoke at and attended a lot of conferences. And at the beginning of the, the pandemic, I, you know, they were talking about people working virtually. And I, I re- my mind just zoomed back to the past 
to 2004, I think it was, um, when I'd gone to a conference and I, I still had the paperwork of this conference and I dug it out and it was a whole hypothesis about the 2020 workplace and oh, how wow. we'd be working from home <laughs> virtually. And I was like, yeah, I remember that conference. And I just remember saying to my husband, who would have thought this is how it happened? Because that wasn't in the in the paper. Um but yeah, I think it was time for that to happen for sure. Yeah, I think there's a real lesson for bosses out there. So I ho- I just I hope that there are lots of bosses listening because you know what you 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 want happy employees because then they'll stay longer and they'll mm. do better work. But actually, you want results, and really, this is an opportunity to look closely at um, the results that you're getting in because mm. if some of your employees are are working less hours than you would want them to do, but they are producing the results, then why not be happy with that? Mm. Because at the end of the day, you can work 60 hour a week, 60 hours a week and get less results than somebody who's working mm-hmm. less number of hours. So I don't think we should get hung up as a boss yeah. on how many mm-hmm. hours our employees are working because you want results, don't you, as em- as employers. And so trust your people, let them get on with it, give them all the support they need, but be guided by what is comfortable for them. And as long as they are performing and they're, and they're doing a great job, then that's enough. That should be enough. And they will stay with you for longer. And, and, and on that point, um, you, I, I have a really strong passion about this very thing because I do not believe that fundamentally employees or colleagues get up in the morning and think, I'm going to go to work to do today and do a really bad job. You know, we set an intention to do a good job. We want to do well, like people want mm. to do well and get rewarded for their effort. Um, so, yeah, I think sometimes there's this perception that if people are working from home still, that they, they're not going to be doing a good job. But fundamentally, motivated, trusted, connected, engaged employees want to do a good job. That would certainly be be my experience. And I think we can safely say we are advocates for the four day week also <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> on the Reset Room <laughs> podcast. So um, just to move on a little bit, guys, we put a shout out to the readers of National World to see if they were facing any issues in this area. And we had a really positive response. Many people are facing, you know, similar quandaries to what we've been discussing here today. Um, one came in from Claire in South Queensferry. She says, I started going back to the office two days a week since last week. We've some social distancing in place and we're not required to wear masks when working at our desks. However, we are supposed to do so in social areas or in meetings. Already some people are ignoring this rule. It makes me anxious to the point where I'm considering asking for full-time homeworking. But I know my boss won't go for this as it could set a precedent. Funny enough, we were just talking about that. Uh, How do I deal with this? We'll start with you, Amina, on this one. Being comfortable and feeling comfortable, of course, is top priority because only then will you be able to do a good job. So I think the first point of call has to be your boss. Um, or your HR uh, team as well, um, to talk about what your concerns are and what, if anything, can be done about them. And, you know, if if you uh, are wearing a mask, but other people aren't, then uh, we, we can't force people to wear a mask. But what we can do is protect ourselves. So never feel uncomfortable about wearing your mask, even if nobody else is, mm. because it's about you and how, how comfortable you feel. You can talk about the distance between you and other people that are wearing and that are not wearing a mask. So there could probably always be something that can be done about that. So 
have a find it be able to get a, a safe space around you um and try and uh, arrange a, a place where you can sit that is perhaps not in the center of everybody else mm. it might be a bit out on a kilter or on the corner or on the edge of a bench or something don't don't worry about being sat on your own because if you feel more comfortable that way that's mm. all that matters so don't be frightened to speak speak your mind yeah. um and set your expectations Always protect yourself. Don't worry about everybody else is doing. Um, that's up to them. We can't. We can't. Um, we can't force people to wear a mask. I mean, even now when I'm going out to shops, there are many people not wearing not mm. wearing a mask, but I do, and I can't do anything about that. All I can do is think I'll protect myself, and that yeah. will have to be good enough for now. Certainly, and it's your choice, isn't it? And yes, I, th- I think you'd find often in these kind of not even necessarily anything related to COVID, but in those sort of workplace issues that if you're thinking it, there's somebody else thinking it. Absolutely. There's somebody else in the, in your position as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, sometimes you can seek those people out. You might, they might be easier to spot if they're wearing a face mask all the time. Yeah, exactly. And what about you, Kay? Have you anything to add to that? I just think in terms of, uh, you know, from an employer point of view, um, talking about human behaviour and connected relationships, there is also a responsibility there to create more communication at a time like this and check in with, um, the teams more just check in you know the, how things go in so it's not really just the responsibility of that individual but it's also for that for, you know for the employer to check are people feeling safe is there anything that needs to be changed and the more communication you have with the team the more uh, the more trust there will be and the more trust there is the more willing there will be to risk being open and honest and it sounds like in this particular case there's a little bit of a worry there that it won't be well received so I think it's the relationship as well and the communication within the relationship and making space for that um, and yeah I think in terms of the actual conversation um, a nice approach to that would be to share the facts you know be really specific about and then the way that emails come in you know there's been three occasions this week where I've gone into the um the 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 the, the open space and people have not been wearing masks then share how that mm-hmm. makes it feel um, at the moment and then invite her manager in to explore together so there's no like you know it's a very honest and transparent conversation um because uh, I think sometimes we can get quite emotional about it and I don't know I'm not saying that Claire does because I'm not meta but you know we can get really upset about it so if we can try and stay on the outside of emotion in terms of staying calm mm. if you will in the conversation mm-hmm. it can keep a nice open dialogue between between her and her manager so that he he or she can really see how important this is and how how much um it's affecting her maybe in terms of the worries that it that it's creating um but i think relation i think that what i'm saying there is relationships really key to create that trusting relationship between the two of them to be able to feel they can um have that conversation very good advice from both our experts there thank you both for joining us on this the first episode of The Reset Room. Thanks, Kelly. Nice to talk to you. See you again next week. Thanks to the listeners for joining us too. You can follow us on Twitter at National World and on Facebook at National World UK. If you would like for us to help you with something you're dealing with, please drop us a line to kelly.crichton at jpimedia.co.uk. You'll find that email address in the show notes. 
up on episode two. Kay will be joining me to talk about managing fear as part of performance. So if you've got something you're interested in or have a question to ask around that, please do get in touch. Please remember to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. The Reset Room is a laudable production produced and hosted by me, Kelly Crichton. Our resident experts are Kay Woodburn of grittypeople.co.uk and Amina Walker, who you'll find on aminawalker.com. Thanks for listening and talk to you next week.